Welcome, travelers. We're aware that your journey was difficult, but prepare to have your questions answered, for you have been granted an audience with the Masters of Modern. And welcome back to Masters of Modern. I'm your host, Alex Kessler, here with my co-host, Ben Bateman. What's up, everybody? Back in the house, back sitting next to Alex, talking magic. Very excited. Today, we got Ruben Bressler on the producer's chair. There is a few announcements we're doing today, but first, let's talk about what we're going to talk about. We're talking about the recent banning announcements in every format but us. We dodged it. That was me dodging. For people watching, I like dodged. He dodged uh, the banning. <laughs> dodged the banning. Um, a lot of big news there. Uh, we have conversations, a little bit of just power levels. We want to have a discussion. Wizards released during the banning process uh, a little bit of their philosophy towards power level and cards they're printing going forward and where they think they've been doing so far and how they're going to be moving forward. So that's that's going to be a cool discussion we're going to have. We're going to maybe at the tail end, if we get enough time, uh, do a little bit of a conversation on uh, free cards and are they good? Yeah, well, because I think there was there was a number of bannings. You know, we will get to that. We do want to talk about the power level of of modern, of pioneer, uh, the necessity of bannings in standard, and all of those things. So, if you guys are tuning in live, if you're watching the live stream, thank you so much. Leave your thoughts below in the comments. If you're not, if you're watching this as a YouTube video, leave your thoughts below. Your comments, share them. Do you agree with us? Do you disagree? Yeah, and follow along with all the places. You know, we do have a Twitter at the MM Cast. You can find Cass at Kess Wiley and me at Ben Bateman Media. Those are the main places. And I think the rest of the shout outs, let's get to later. I think we should well, get to the. So, so I do want to. Uh, so, there's an announcement that I wanted to do first oh. at the beginning of the episode on kind of just the news, content and how news content to me. is going to work on the podcast. So, um, you may have noticed that we've started doing live streams. Uh, we were previously doing them at kind of a 7 p.m., 6 p.m. PST uh, time, and we're moving that. So now. Uh, every day, every Tuesday at 1 p.m., we'll be doing the live show. You can make sure to catch it. We had a lot of people want to be able to catch it that were going to bed early. It wasn't really hitting the East Coast in the way that we wanted. So this gives all of you a better chance of seeing us live. We'll be on YouTube and uh, Twitter, so you'll be able to get us at both places. So that's one of the really exciting pieces of news. Uh, now, every Thursday, hopefully, um, previously it was Fridays, but now we're moving it to Thursdays. The plan is to release the um, edited video version with good audio uh, and all the card art everywhere. So if we mention a card and you don't know what it does, that's the best place to see it. So it'll be the fully edited version. The live stream gets turned off as soon as we're done and made only available to our patrons. Um, and then uh, so they get like kind of the whole all of the pre-show and all of the random stuff. If we get in an argument about something dumb, you can find that on the Patreon. The audio version of the episode should come out the next day. So on Wednesdays. So tomorrow for those people, if you want to just audio listen to this, if you're driving, don't watch videos and drive. It's dangerous. Uh, and then the last thing is we're going to start releasing what we call MMCast hot takes. And those will come out every Monday on the YouTube channel. And they will be small five to 10 minute videos uh, on a specific subject matter. Sometimes they'll just be kind of something we talked about on the podcast earlier that week. And sometimes there'll be a whole new thing that was maybe inspired by Patreon or the uh, different uh, live stream chats that we'll, we'll do a brief little conversation. Um, and that'll be its own new video every Monday. Those are kind of the new content release schedule. There'll eventually be probably some infographic that I make and it'll look like medium because my graphic design skills are medium. We um, could always use someone else. Maybe. <laughs> one day uh, <laughs> uh yeah not ruben and with the help of patreons we might have better infographics so if you guys can go check out the patreon you get the full raw video uh 
to watch at your leisure as well as um, a bunch of other cool stuff like we did a deck tech earlier last or two weeks ago uh, from a $10 patron you get access to the special patron only discord um, and a bunch of other cool stuff so definitely check it out uh, thanks everyone and let's get started with the actual episode yes 100% so um, the big news on Monday this week was that there was a banning there was several bannings in fact in the standard format there was a banning of Oko Thief of Crowns mm-hmm. the card once upon a time as well as Veil of Summer those are three cards I think when we had we had referenced the last two weeks we expected mm-hmm. those probably to be those were probably the cards that were going to get banned I think I didn't agree that all three would go you actually were on the train that all three were yeah, going to go I thought, I thought those would be my pick the, the other two cards that were kind of like in contention in standard were Oko and um not Oko sorry were uh Goose and um Nissa yeah shakes the world Nissa is not a card I can see being banned I mean maybe one day but I, I don't think that was really an issue Goose was like the one that was more on the line to me because it is in effect that previously they'd be like oh this is too good we don't want to have this but I think they were correct in getting rid of if you get rid of Oko then the Goose is a lot more defensive yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's so a lot, it's a lot less powerful and so I, I think they made the right choice on those three cards um Veil of Summer was like very projected from Pioneer the Pioneer banning last week on Veil of Summer like that was the one that I was like oh that's a lock they're not going to ban it yeah so we'll get into each of the cards here in a second but um, most interestingly for us and for the formats that we pay the closest attention to there were no bannings in Modern there were no ba- bannings in Pioneer. Dodge it again. Uh, and there was a banning in Legacy. Ren and Six is gone, which yeah. is a card that I think Modern Horizons is such an interesting set just because like all the cards that came out of Modern Horizons, you knew the power level was really high and you weren't really sure where they were going to land. That mm-hmm. card in particular was just like, how did you guys go so far from the two mana planeswalker that was red you printed once to this one and not miss how insanely overpowered it was? Well, I don't think it's insanely overpowered in Modern where they're aiming for. I mean, Legacy has wasteland right that's the reason it was banned in legacy it wasn't just like oh this card's generically good and valuable it's like oh no it can lock people out of the game on turn two as a legacy as a wasteland lock and and when you don't have wasteland even in modern renesix is very good in modern but jund isn't the best deck right like it's not more powerful than urza is i guess and maybe if they do deal with urza in the long run then renesix becomes problematic but even then, like, there's enough tools to answer it in the format. And that's, I mean, one thing we're going to talk about when we talk about power level is, and we talked about on this week's hot take, which is like Lightning Bolt and Pioneer and like the power of answers. And I think Modern has the tools to deal with Ren 6 as long as it's not wasteland locking people out of the game. Yeah, you can't design for every format at once. You just can't. And even if you're, if you're coming out with a premium supplemental set like Modern Horizons, which kind of fits somewhere in the middle of power that you're designing for, you still can't protect... Wait, you know the wasteland lock and legacy while still making the card good and modern. It just is what it is. But I do think it's, I do think it's interesting that that card still seems so obviously overpowered to me. I mean, it's like hard to miss that that would have happened in legacy when you're even looking at the card at face value. Like, you can just get wasteland back every turn. Why is how are we missing that this is just like exactly what's going to happen with this and this will never last? I think I think they're just prepared to ban it in yeah. legacy. Yep. I, I, a I don't think wizards cares too much about what happens in legacy it's not a format that they're they, they care a little bit but the support of the format isn't exactly like through the roof to the extent that seg has even cut most support for legacy for yeah. next year um so from that perspective they're just like uh you know i don't think they also care if like they print something that's busted in vintage right like they don't worry about that and if something is so problematic they have to deal with it it's fine most of the value people have in those sets are such older cards yeah. that like if Ren and Six is printed, people's 
and needs to be banned people's collections aren't tanked yeah it's like if you if you're if you spend eighty dollars on a renin six and they ban it you've already spent like a thousand or like two thousand dollars on other cards in your deck on one card in yeah your deck. <laughs> so like it's just and then the last the last piece of banning or restriction news was that narset uh, part of avails was restricted in, in vintage and and speaking of kind of power level i do think one thing and this kind of speaks to oko as well is wizards assumed the power level of planeswalkers they like kind of decided to take a leap and like do them differently than they were doing them before and have learned a lot of lessons through that process but narset's a good example rena six is a good example and oko is a good example i mean three walkers were banned uh, in this ban list announcement and i and and to be totally honest i can imagine more over the next year happening especially because the way wizards can react to stuff right they they create cards so ahead of time that we're basically locked in at least until next fall on what cards are going to be being printed. So the Planeswalkers in um, Theros, the Planeswalkers in the following set, uh, which will be Ikora, Ikora, Ikora. Sure. uh, Ikora, Land of the Behemoths. (laughs) The next M set, which will be Teferi focused. And then the following... Uh, Battle for Zendikar, I can see all of them having very powerful Planeswalkers already kind of printed in them, and there's nothing they can do about it. And this is this goes back to the original. This goes back to the original set set of Planeswalkers. I mean, this is why we got Jace. You know, this is why Mind Sculptor was so good compared to the original set, right? Because you're, it's not you're not designing for three months or six months, and then you're just changing it all right as soon as those cards hit market. You've still got a year and a half, two years ahead that are are pretty much locked in by the time you're even seeing cards in packs. Mm-hmm. So that that is what happens, and I think you're correct that there will be more cards banned. I think one of the things about the, the three mana planeswalker conversation and the two mana planeswalker conversation that's so interesting to me is that as someone who's played magic as long as i have and like really really loves the clever interactions that they've created the backwards compatibility of magic is one of the most fascinating things i mean we look at this card claim fame one of our preview cards what i like about claim fame so much is the way that it interacts with a card like mere superior or a weird card like apocrysite being your graveyard and and these cards that you can get into play with it in a way that it's not intended. There's so many ways to interact with creatures, you know, drawing them, discarding them, resurrecting them, blinking them. The game, every single set designs in some way to have that interaction. There's no like, there's not like a consistent swath of effects that like get a planeswalker of a certain mana cost from your graveyard for a cheap sorcery or instant that's kind of ubiquitous. Like there's not a lot of things that blink planeswalkers for cheap, efficient mana costs. The way to use a planeswalker correctly is to design it at the right rate play it and have it be good. And their thought was you can attack a planeswalker so you can get rid of them easily and they can be at this power level because of that. And what they missed obviously as they admitted with Oko is that like that's not really totally the case anymore. And there's two years of these things now that kind of invalidate the theory. And I want to talk about that. Yeah, and and and, and something to kind of look at is is it's really about board presence, right? With a four the four mana and five mana planeswalkers that have just been kind of classically good for years, but were kind of getting boring, you would play them and at that point of the game, it was always possible for your opponent to have something in play. Or they're fine printing straight up three mana destroy target planeswalker or creature cards, heroes downfall, obviously being the prime example. And so there's always ways to kind of deal profitably with a four or five mana planeswalker. Three mana walkers come down so early that it's really difficult for decks to already have something in play that can start attacking it. And it's also at a point of the game where like literally fog effects gaining you life and then still having value off of it are so valuable against aggressive decks that it really doesn't give anyone kind of a position to be able to fight against it. And like, I think 
with all of the planeswalkers that we're seeing issues with, one of the issues is they come down at a time where the only way at that point to be, answer them is to be retroactively attacking them or retroactively answering them. And we talked about this on the episode last week where different ways for white to maybe be able to answer planeswalkers proactively was giving it mana leak or giving cards. Someone brought up that uh, on um, Twitter or and maybe in the comments that uh, uh, Kitesail Freebooter uh, effects being a moved towards white so that they have a way to deal with it instead of doing um, attacking do like hand discard exile effects that then by killing that creature you can get it back and that's another way to maybe give another color proactive answers to it because the problem right now is unless you counter it they get value off of the planeswalker yeah i think also like if you look at the difference between say previous three mana planeswalkers that were printed and the way you would use them take one of my favorite cards of all time sahili is a card i've always loved i've always felt sahili was underrated but the thing about sahili is the most value you're getting off Sahili if you're not comboing with Cat is it's coming down on turn three or maybe a little later in the game. It's minusing two, leaving it one loyalty to copy an artifact or a creature that probably has an ETB effect. You're getting like the extra value, right? If that's what you're getting, the minus versus and what you're left with is a one, you know, one loyalty planeswalker that doesn't really have a whole lot of value until you plus that up again. If you look at Teferi, if you look at Narset, if you look at Oko, these are cards where the thing that you're getting is not the minus ability. You don't play Narset part of Avails because you're going to get one activation off of a, a search for Ascanta. Like You're playing it because it means they can't draw more than one card. That's what you're left with. You get the card, but they're also left with that effect. When you play Teferi, it's not that you draw a card and bounce a permanence you're getting for three mana. It's the fact that now they can't cast things unless they're sorceries on their turn right? Oko, you're not playing it because you get to minus and do something cool. You're playing it because now you have this giant fog machine that's going to swap things. Like, that's the difference between the, the design theory on these pl these planeswalkers and I think some of the three mana ones they've pushed in the past is what you're left with is not the kind of slow version of the minus effect that old planeswalkers would really focus on. And you see it all the time now. And I think that's the design of philosophy that changed that probably it'd be best to get away from a little bit. I don't think that they make the game more fun. Like, I just don't. I, I don't. I don't know if I agree with that. I think that they're figuring stuff out. Like, look at Domri Raid, right? The three mana Domri Raid or the three mana Vivian that were in War of the Spark. Those are fine. Like, they're fun to play with. They're proactive. Sure. They, like, make the game plan more, more attractive. I think these, like, three mana Planeswalkers that increase your board state are generally going to be more fine within the format than the walkers that end up being more control heavy right where like teferi stops your opponent from doing something even even ashiok like the amount of times i've played in brawl because i have an ashiok brawl deck on arena every single person i play against messes up and and like cracks in evolving wilds or like tutors for a card and they're just like oh right ashiok makes it so i can't do anything there's so many of these like weird niche case hate effects that make it really hard for people to deal with and then you add the fact like oko where it's proactively just stopping you from doing anything like any creature you play after oko basically either has to have an etb that wins you the game or is it an invalid is an invalid effect and artifacts and so when you have they like they can do these cool planeswalkers but they really need to be cognizant of does is this a control card or is this a proactive card? Because when planeswalkers are proactive, they they further the game state, they end the game. But when they're played there to be reactive, that's when you start running into more issues. Yeah, one of the things I thought about a lot with Oko, and by the way, last night at Arena, uh, I literally on the play had Drown in the Lock open on turn three, and was like, ah, what's the worst that can happen? I was playing the mill deck, I had already milled three plus cards, and I just like tap out and they cast Oko on turn three, and I was like, well, this was fun. I hadn't played it. I hadn't played against Oko Unlimited yet. It's so brutal and not fun. It it <laughs> it was so outlandish. Like 
I, because again, I was getting back surgery. I missed a lot of the early Oko hype. It's only recently that I've started to actually play with it and against it. Welcome back. Thank you. Uh, and uh, was that a pun? Because you said back. It was. It wasn't intentional. <laughs> <laughs> and and I was blown away by it. And I, I started thinking about what are what are the things that make Oko so powerful outside of the obvious, right? Outside of the fact that it, it pluses to do both things, right? Like people are used to it. Its interaction with the card with the, with the type of artifact is just another one of these things where it's like the innocuous nature of how powerful that is. That there are so many things in Magic that are, like it fits into these Wurza decks in Modern because like. It's good anyway, even if it wasn't making artifacts. If it made enchantments instead of artifacts that were food, it would still be a very good card. It would still do a lot of the same things. But the fact that it's making these artifacts that just slots into all these other strategies that have already been good for so long makes it like it's very hard to design. I mean, it's it's a difficult card to avoid that in design. But I think I think that interaction is actually good, right? Like I think the fact that different decks in eternal formats can interact with the artifact tokens that Oko is making is a benefit. We're getting the effect of this is not a card that's only going to be insularly work with food strategies and standard. That's that's always worse. Like energy cards are unplayable unless you're playing an energy strategy, right? right. I'd much rather food be cool and interact with Urza decks. And I don't think Oko being an Urza Dex is the reason that Urza Dex could be a problem in modern. I think that's that's just a cool feature of the card. And if Oko wasn't as big of a problem as it is in standard, it would be one of the coolest cards printed for modern play, right? Yeah, I mean, I think my realization from it. So I, I've focused on the the Urza decks. I paid a lot like close attention. Those decks are very refined. They do they do their job really well. Uh, the place that I started thinking about this and noticed was we talk about Highlander Gauntlet sometimes, and I've had this four color artifact deck for years, and I was like, well, why not just add a fifth color and just put Oko in the deck because the card's really good anyway, but it also makes artifacts. So it's just good with everything else. This deck that's combining all the best multicolor artifact effects for years does anyway. Like why not just put it in? Cause it's already insane, but also all these other cards that reward me for having more artifacts makes Oko even better. And I was like, wow, that's, that's really pushed. Right. And, and I mean, it's, it's, I don't know if it's pushed. I mean, it's an artifact card, right? Like the fact that you would just want to play, I mean, especially in green where like the benefit I've like looked at making green based artifact decks and almost always it's like, oh, there's actually not that yeah, right, many good right. ones. <laughs> totally. Uh, you get the land. Um, but so I think, I think that Oko's power level is more in the fact of it negating just every strategy it goes into and its loyalty, right? I think, I think, and even the article that Wizards put out was, we push these numbers a little too high. It should have been a minus. It should have been a plus one. It shouldn't maybe have been able to target your opponent's things or, you know, whatever we had. We had something that was less fun. That yeah. was the original card. So when we made it this, we were like, oh, this isn't as good as mind control, which is what Oko was doing originally yeah. as it's minus. So then we made it a plus because that seems way less strong. And then in reality, it's beast withinning every turn or better because there's no way to really interact with that. So, I mean, I asked you this offline beforehand, mm-hmm. but I'm curious about this. What about if, like, what about if Oko had been, if the Elk ability was just a minus ability? Like, how how do you not how do you not look at the card initially and just go like, that's a hundred percent what this should be? There's what's the justification for having two pluses and no minuses on the card? Like, is there any especially, ta- especially at three mana, right? Like, I don't even get it. I'm, I'm thinking about it. I'm just like, was it like a typo and they just didn't want to own up to it? I don't even understand how that's something you come up with. No, they they explain. So what it was is originally it was a minus, but it was a mind control effect. So it was supposed to be like it comes down and then it either the trades with the creature or it takes control of a creature. I think is what they were saying. And so when they changed it to the elk making ability, which was also more flavorful with the story, they were like, oh, okay, so we don't have to. 
this could be a plus because because elking a thing is not as powerful as eventually mind controlling sure. a thing, right? And they were just wrong. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not. I don't actually think it was a typo. And I read the article. And I understand where they're yeah. coming from. They got so they got so deep down the rabbit hole of design that they missed just the raw power of the ability mm-hmm. by the end of design. But so I actually so we've talked about Oko on this show a lot. So I think yeah. moving on to some of the other things that were banned and, and sort of just that conversation about Magic's power level is a good place to go. Right. So the, one of the cards was Veil of Summer, which is and maybe you can shine some light on this for me because I find this really interesting. It's a it's a color hoser card, right? Mm-hmm. They used to print a lot of those. They don't as much anymore. It's not the kind of card where you're just going to jam it into every single green deck. You don't play it in the main deck of every deck in every format. It just specifically happens to be really, really good against the things that are good, right? That's why that card's so problematic? No. Uh, ish. It's a green counter spell. It's part that draws a card. Like, the fact that it cantrips no matter what happens is one of the reasons it's powerful. Because even if you're playing against someone and they don't have the thing, you can just cycle it away, right? Like, that's that's worst case scenario. It's It's able to draw a card off of it. I believe. No, no, um, I believe it's not. That's I, I don't think it is. So, Veil of Summer is uh, you draw a card if your opponent casts a blue or black spell. Oh, 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 that's oh, what oh, I say. That's my point. So that's when I because that's what I thought too. I was it's like, not okay, always cycle. If your opponent sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then, yeah. then you're you're out. Because I was thinking like, okay, if it's cycled, then it'd be obvious. Then that's just a this is an instant speed one green cantrip that in every deck and every matchup, mm-hmm. if they're not playing the card you don't want to play against, you just play it on turn one. Who cares? But. The fact that you they have to be playing blue or black, it's just a really powerful color hoser sideboard card. I don't understand why that well, is so, so good. What so am I missing? You, if you look at A, it's because green decks are so good. Like, And part of it is that the best thing to answer against green decks are going to be blue and black, right? We talked about how the best two colors, the only way to deal with a Planeswalker is to destroy it or to discard it, right? Or to, sorry, not to destroy it, to di- make it go get... Ugh to thought season ahead of time yep. or to counter it. And th- this is the one card that makes it so that people can't do that. And so if you're having a, a Planeswalker th- that you're trying to protect, Oko, you can now basically negate the best two ways that people are going to make it so you don't get value off of it. And then the last one is destroying it in play. Right now, the only color that can really do that are red and black. Black, this get stops and red can't get rid of walkers that come down with high lo- loyalty, right? So like it makes it so hard to deal with that permanent type, not to mention creatures and other things that green has also been getting pushed really hard recently and giving green a counter spell is a thing. I think one of the reasons this is just a miss and it's more that like they've been printing these color hoser cards my entire life or since magic has existed. And the green one is always just unplayable. Like I've played a ton of, the black, white, and and blue ones. Yeah, the right. One for sure. Um, I'm forgetting what all of them are called. I mean, there's you have cards like Raisin Roast, isn't that the red one? That, those are those are more recent ones. What's the original three from N10? Flash Freeze. Are you, five. you mean Flash Freeze? Flash Freeze. Uh, Death Grip or Death, death Snap? Yeah. Death Mark. Death Mark. Death Mark. Celestial Purge. Celestial Purge. Yeah. Those are three. I've played a lot of those cards in my sideboards. In modern, like, those are all playable Combusts. cards. Combusts. Combusts is the, is the red one. And, and those all make... is bad. <laughs> they all make sense. I, that's the thing is I've always I've always gotten that. It's just that I couldn't understand what made this one so good. And this one is entirely meta-dependent. That's why it's so good. I don't I don't think it's necessarily meta-dependent. I think meta has something to do with it. You think it, it has to think, do with the power level of I green think, being pushed as hard as it is? Yeah, I think, I think they're like, we want a green one to do something. We're sick of the four other colors having good answers, but because green can't answer anything so it has a wall of text that i didn't even know what all the words did and i played with the card and like 
or I didn't even know when the cards were having. That's meta dependent because just in general, it's going to be good against decks that are good right now. But it, I think it's just as super powerful because they pushed it. So, and then the third card that was banned in standard is Once Upon a Time, and this this one is this one is really interesting to me. So, Once Upon a Time is an instant for green one. Uh, look at the top five cards of your library and put a land or a creature into your hand. If it's the first spell you've played this game, you may pay, play it without ca- playing its casting cost. So. This opens up a very interesting quick conversation we can have, but they've printed cost reduced and free spells for years, dating back to dating back to like force of will days. I mean, we're talking in the early, early days of magic and they've done it all the way through things like the force cycle that we just saw in modern horizons. Some of the bad cards from like prophecy and nemesis. There's been a billion different ones. Delve as a cost reducer. You've seen a lot of these get banned over the years. A lot of them, a lot of, there have been a lot of bannings focusing on exactly things like Phyrexian mana and Delve. When this one got banned, I was sort of like on the surface when they debuted this card. I didn't say this is going to get banned. I was like, I like this. I like the design of this card. I think it's cool. I'm glad it doesn't cost one. I'm glad it costs two. Playing multiple copies. And then, of course, exactly the thing that people, that you get worried about happened. The design space of cost reducers being too good and not good enough is so, it's such a thin line. Well, and part of it also is when it's a cost reduction effect attached to something that's problematic. Almost all of the times it's been problematic, it's when a cost reduction effect is attached. Like, Treasure Cruise is problematic. Dig Through Time is problematic. Those are card filtering, card choosing, power nine level effects. Become Immense isn't problematic. Like, it's fine. I'm happy, like, in fact, it's still not good. <laughs> it's been close at times. It's but been it's... close, but, like, it's not that problematic. Gurmag Angler is fine. Like, yeah. Like, even if they do the work to get a one-mana 5-5, five, five, it's rarely going to happen until turn two, turn three. And, like, and in standard, it wasn't even a problem. Like, right. I think that, like, it's it's really... And, and what we have here is, look at Modern. Not half the ban list, but there's a large number of cantrips on the ban list. At least... Four off the top of my head and me not really thinking too hard about it between Gitaxian Pro, Preordain, Ponder, and Th- uh, Treasure Cruise. And, and now Treasure Cruise and Dig Through, through time. time. That's seven, six. So like at least six on the ban list are, are cantrips. I believe my tweet yesterday asking about this was saying that it's the cost reduce and the free and then things that let you use something other than mana as a resource that allow you to gain card advantage. Those are the places that it always seems to slip up because, it's, you know, obviously you can get an advantage by getting a cheap five, five and giving something plus six, plus six cents and speed is great. But drawing a like paying two life to draw a card with a sorcery and peak is you're telling me better than all of those things, which is astounding, but is true. Well, and and uh, the other place I would say is interaction, right? Like counter magic shouldn't be free. I'm gonna guess that we should. Ne- I I would hope to God that Wizards of the Coast never prints free thoughtsies. They've never, <laughs> but they have in any format. Correct me if I'm wrong here. There's never been a free counter spell ban in any format ever. There was no banning of force or days or thwart or. Mental misstep. That's it's a good point. So mental misstep. Was the one in modern started with mental misstep banned, and it's banned in legacy also. It's banned everywhere. Legacy, uh, restricted vintage now, I think, uh, but that's the only one. Is it common? Or uncommon. Okay, so that's so so that's that's fair, and that's that's a totally that's them pushing that effect to the, to its absolute limit. But yeah, it's it's an interesting space to think about, which is like, I, if I'm designing cards, I mean, you obviously want to play with high power level. It makes players excited. It's one of the things that sells sets. Players like to do that, and it's kind of one of the things they talked about in this article is that. They like it when magic is more powerful, when the game is more fun, when when it is pushed. That makes for better magic. We can talk about the article a little bit because we've alluded to it, but we haven't really acknowledged it yet. And I think this subject is a good place to go. 
so the article basically says that, okay, we're looking at the last year of design. We're looking at what's happened. There was this sort of depowered level between Battle for Zendikar and M19. And we paid attention to that to those standard formats. And we decided that's not as fun. So we wanted to push the power level a little bit. And that's what you get with basically the last year. So everything, War of the Spark, Throne of Eldraine, uh, M20, and there was another set reference in the article, I think. And what they were saying is that the exception of the rule, there's a couple cards, right? So they were like, we don't think Oko is indicative of the power level we were going for. It was a mistake that it was as good as it was. We don't necessarily think that uh, Once Upon a Time is what we were going for. But the rest of what you've been seeing is what we were going for, and that's what you should expect out of Standard moving forward because we think more powerful magic cards are more fun magic cards. And I think that's what we're kind of seeing, even like with stuff like Emery. Like, Emery's a very powerful card. Really good. Um, you get, like, kind of Chandra, three-mana Chandra. That's where I want three-mana Planeswalkers to be at. The three-mana Chandra from M20 is amazing. The, the uncommon really one? Fun. The card's nuts. It has, like, a medium Snapcaster mage effect. It doesn't protect the itself. One. The rare one. It's a rare one. Yeah, the uncommon one's four. Oh, God, okay, uncommon, yeah. which actually... And the amount of games I've played with it, <laughs> not the worst card either, but um, yeah, three mana charger. You're talking about the one that makes two one ones that you can flash back and spell. Gadget, oh. snap, snap I love that spell. Attack, yeah. Love that spell. Um, it's 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 like really fun, and that's part of it because it's it's proactive, right? It's not really controlling the board as much. It's much more about getting in there, doing things. It doesn't put tokens in the play to protect itself. Um, I think that's kind of the target I would have for a three mana walker. But I do think in general, and even this is with Modern Horizons. Yes, Hogak was a mistake. Yes. Urza could be tweaked a little bit different. Yes, maybe Ren and Six and Legacy was maybe a little bit too targeted. But in general, the power level of the set is really exciting. It does a bunch of new stuff. It's adding new stuff to the format. Um, in Standard, even, Ixalan sucked. I mean, I was yeah. so excited for that set. Me I was too. so excited for Pirates versus Dinosaurs and versus Merfolk and even Vampire Conquistadors. <laughs> and like where we ended up was kind of just like... What's the best? I think we unclaimed territory and freebooter. Freebooter. Two cards from the entire block that like were very uh, influential in modern, and both of them are like fine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think you know if you look at Magic a couple different ways. The one way to look at it is okay. If you're a, it's a Type A Spike standard player who's super on Arena, he drafts a lot. That's a basically what he does, right? He or anyone, I shouldn't say he, but like the person who is into it, that's what they do. Mm -hmm. Then you'll get, you'll take what's given to you. You'll you'll play Ixalan standard. You'll play Theros standard. You'll play Throne of Eldraine standard. It doesn't really matter because it's all going to be within the confines of what's available to you and the other players. But if you're anyone else, if you're interested in any older format, if you like to play Brawl, if you want to play Commander, if you're into Modern, if you like your pet formats that you play with your friends, like Highlander Gauntlet, then you ultimately want the cards that are being printed into Standard to at least be interesting enough to go beyond the borders of just the Standard format. I was so excited for Pirates, and when, when Pioneer got announced, I was like, oh, I can probably build a sick Pirates deck. This will be really fun. Finally, a place I can play Pirates that's not Modern. And I was like... Nope. No, it still sucks. <laughs> these are these cards are all pretty bad. Like they just aren't good enough. I remember trying to build on Arena. What was the four mana Time Stream Navigator? The one where it goes to it goes to the bottom of your library. You get an extra turn. Uh, Field of Ruin was also an excellent block and was really good. Field of Ruin, yeah. And I was I remember thinking to myself like, okay, like I should be able to build like a pretty cool Pioneer Time Stream Navigator deck that can loop this and take a lot of extra turns. Like, no, this card's just really bad. This is just mm -hmm. this is just not as fun as I want it to be. I better use other cards from other sets. Well, and and, and I almost want to say 
go back to the point you're making earlier about a standard player not even caring. I think they care. I think standard is boring when things are just like, oh, I have mid-range dirtily creatures and some removal spells that's mediocre. And I have like a bunch of five mana walkers that literally have plus draw a card minus remove a creature ultimate win the game. Like I think that universe is not fun for people. I think when cool specific strategies end up being a fun combo of cards that are doing really well that i think is when people start having fun when they're doing exciting new stuff and standard got to a little bit of a samey moment that's what we had like three years of standard or just like okay mono red's the best deck yeah because just like those are the cards that like no matter what you do they're either unplayable or they're good and so we printed enough good ones that this is just going to be the best deck for two years in a row yeah i think i think like looking at some of the spectacle stuff that we have right now with the red cards like you know i think i think light up the stage and uh skewer the critics Mm -hmm. that's design space that i'm stoked on like that's the kind of stuff that i think is so cool and such a great combination of like High power, good payoff, mm-hmm. but not just overtly powerful on the surface level. Or what's the enchantment that lets you cast out for free that I'm just blanking on? Oh, the four mana one. Fires of Invention. Yeah, Fires of Invention. Like, that card is awesome. Yeah. Like, that's, that's like, so cool and powerful, but also, like, all you're doing is casting, like, Liliana's, so whatever. <laughs> yeah. And, like, that's awesome. Like, that's the type of power level that I love seeing new stuff on. I love new interaction that's powerful. I will, Like, we talked, the hot take we released this week was about, can Lightning Bolt be printed in the Pioneer? And I think Pioneer, Lightning Bolt would be fine in Standard right now. And also maybe something they need, because with the amount of power level they have with the Planeswalkers that they're printing and the creatures that they're printing, you need a good one mana removal spell. And I don't think Path to Exile, I think Path to Exile is too far in one direction, but Lightning Bolt is such a classic card and something that would be really exciting and just cool removal, cool creatures and effects, just like actually doing stuff that's exciting is good for Standard, it's good for Pioneer, it's good for Historic, it's good for Commander. Like literally every format wants cool stuff and if they were, I'm happy they're leaning into it. And oh no, worst case scenario, we have to ban a few cards because we went a little too far over the line. Let me ask you a question. So instant speed, one mana, answer to a creature, Path to Exile is the last one we got that was like insane top level. Mm-hmm. I guess Fatal Push is, is also good, but this Exiles for one mana. Sure. Is it possible that any color, even if there was a drawback associated, can get an instant speed one mana spell that handles a Planeswalker? Is I, there think, any? I think white should get it. I you think, think white should get exile, a planeswalker, instant speed? I would for love one? a like path to exile that remove the planeswalker and a creature with maybe a slightly like they get three treasure tokens or two treasure tokens. Something sure. Along those lines. It accelerates them or something. But only quickly. Like it doesn't give them a land forever, but maybe it gives them treasures or gives, you know, something along those lines. Sure. I think that would be fine. I mean, we talked a, a lot about this during last week's episode was like one idea someone came up with was like instant speed pithing needle, right? Where it's one white mana artifact. Has flash when it enters. Well, when you cast it, choose a card. It loses all of its activated abilities. I think that would be cool. Um, what if it was like a what if it, a, a planeswalker creature? If you don't want it to hit lands because fetch lands exist. What if it was like a a Pongify effect for planeswalker? So like it'd be like white exile target planeswalker. Its controller puts a creature token into play with converted mana cost equal to the mana cost, or, or sorry, with power and toughness equal to the mana cost. So what about one white target planeswalker becomes a three three elf? Yeah, <laughs> white, 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 white. Like that, that'd be like a that's like a blue green hybrid card or something. Yeah, like that. And something maybe three mana does it every turn. Yeah, <laughs> um, I think I think that would be fine. Like, a th- or do they just get get a creature equal to converted mana cost? Then that's like a real cost if you try answering their turn one play with your one mana answer. Yeah, I'd, right. I'd be fine with like weird beast within. Yeah, if like one mana, it's so like for one white, like your Jace the Mind Sculptor becomes a four four. I mean, it still sucks for me, but like it's way easier to deal with than Jace the Mind Sculptor, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know. And it's a cheap answer. And they, still, they still got the brainstorm. They still got the fate seal. You, 
Making yeah. it so you don't draw that one white card. <laughs> I don't know. It's it'll be interesting to see. This is all this design space we're talking about. This is all design space. I'm sure they're all talking about because sure. that you know, as you said, there's probably planeswalkers coming out over the course of the next year that are going to be hopefully not the same level as Oko. But if if I'm Wizards, my take from this year is probably three things. One is I need to be way more careful with three and two mana walkers, specifically in like how much loyalty they can gain. Um, two, I need to make sure if we're going to continue doing static abilities, that these are abilities that this is what I'm hoping, I guess they get, uh, abilities that are more proactive and the ones that are like weird hate cards aren't the things that we focus on because that's when we start getting people just in tournament play, getting warnings and three that we need to print a significantly more and more diverse way for every single color to be able to interact with planeswalkers. Um, If they took that to heart, if those three things, then even if they do print powerful planeswalkers, who cares? I don't think the gameplay of a planeswalker is inherently problematic. I think the problem is though, like most half the colors don't have good tools to fight them. The walkers that they printed in War of the Spark have these weird negative effects that are really hard to keep track of and are problematic and probably too powerful. And three, Oko, just like get your numbers right on three to two mana walkers. A three or two mana walker is so hard to interact with with decks because they can't attack it that early. They don't have enough bulk to be able to deal with a walker that early in the game. They have to be very careful. And I think they, the article they wrote was kind of them saying, we've learned that lesson. We learned that we need to be careful on these things. I think if you look at any two-year two period in Magic's history, going back to 1993, there is an overpowered card that broke the rule and was pushed and ended up being too good. I, something they're going to do until the end of time. Like, only because it's not fun to print stuff that's really weak. It's really fun to print stuff that's on the line or too good. And sometimes you have to ban cards. I mean, as they said, the power level is close to what they want. These two cards specifically, maybe three, are the ones that were a little beyond what they wanted to be. And that's what we're going to have. But I, in general like my cards to be more powerful. Do you think that the template of if this is the first cat card you're casting this turn, play it for free is now in a um, net negative wizards will be afraid of using this card or a net like this is still a cool mechanic. We just don't want to put on a cantrip. No, I think it's pretty clear when you talk about cost reducers and free cards, as we said a few minutes ago, it's card advantage is the place where they make mistakes. So if it gets you a card into your hand, if it's, it's a spell that triggers that's going to be harder to do. If it's going to be, if this is the first spell you play at lightning bolts, <laughs> if it's two mana, if it's if it's if it's lightning strike, except you get it for free. If it's the first mm-hmm. spell you played, how is that a problem? Like so, so yeah. Would you be interested in like super super ley lines that are like ley lines that have to be the first spell you cast that turn versus in your opening hand? Uh, I, like that space doesn't bother me. I'm I'm okay. fine if you play with that space because I think again, if you get away from if you get away from stuff that's that's giving you those triggers and extra cards and mm-hmm. stuff like that, I don't think it's as much of a problem. And I think that's cool design space. Sure. It slows the game down in a way. I mean, lightning strike even like could be a little over the line, but like I'd love just like a one one. <laughs> just a one one in green for just, one. Maybe yeah. it's an elf. One one for no one one for like two. Yeah, it's like something that like an elf. Yeah, that like if this is the first spell you cast, it comes down for free as a one one. That would be like cute and like see is that too powerful? Because that's like as basic as you get. Arbor elf is generally slightly too powerful. Midnight is slightly less powerful than good. So it'd be interesting to see. I mean, if it was if it, if that card was two mana arbor elf and you could get it for free if it was the opening card. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. But the thing is, then, then again, like if it's an elf deck, you get the one for free on turn one and then you draw all these two mana ones. But at that point, you have all the extra mana. So you don't care anyway. 
Like they, eh, I don't know. For, maybe for standard, it'd be okay. We'll see. But it, or like an artifact creature that, like, or it does something. Maybe it scries when Anders play. Yeah, Andre Height in here. Uh, Gitaxian Probe wasn't broken, was it? I mean, oh, it's banned he's... in every format. It's legal in or restricted. Um, it's, let's... Banned in, it's banned in Popper, right? That's the one that I like might miss out. I guess Commander players can play it, but <laughs> every every four of non singleton format, it's banned in. So I feel like a taxing probe was too good. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Uh, the big intellectual is a three three elk better or worse than a three three elephant? Worse. An elk is worse than an elephant. Yeah. Is there elephant tribal? Am I forgetting something? <laughs> Well, there's definitely not elk tribal. Yeah, that's true. I think they're it's net loss. Uh, I think net, I, net, elephants net are cooler. There's, I mean, that's just a subjective answer. You just like elephants more than elk? No, no, no. El- <laughs> elephants are objectively cooler. Oh. How many people go to a zoo to see elk? How many people go to it's? There are elk in Africa. There are elephants in Africa. One of those two things is part of the big five. <laughs> uh, I've been to I've been to many zoos to see elk. I dis- I disagree. Yeah, it's not true. <laughs> not true at all. Objectively, elephants sell more than elks of everything. I guess like the final statement for the day as far as power level in standard and in sets that Wizards has printed, I think we both agree that it's good. Like in general, Wizards pushing the boundaries comes up with more exciting things, does more exciting stuff for the formats. Um, And and I'm really looking forward to seeing what's in the agenda. I mean, kind of the sets we've seen so far all look really great. we you know the the next set return to theros i know there's were some leaks so we know some of the mechanics and some of the mechanics look really exciting um and going forward past that we just have more and more great stuff so uh, i'm really excited for the future of of magic and the power level that they're talking towards but i do understand that to do that you're going to have to break some eggs and so i want to talk a little bit about additional content in a second here uh you're streaming and the streaming i'm about to start doing and uh but before we do that i do want to remind everybody here go to patreon.com slash the mmcast if you want to support the show that is the best thing you can do to support if you haven't already clicked subscribe on the youtube video if you're listening or watching do that but we are you know developing the the, the patreon we're we're sharing the full unedited videos as a stream to all patrons so do that um and thank you everybody for your support to this point it, it means a lot and uh, and we will continue to mean a lot to us if you want to keep doing that but i want to just talk about because you've been streaming brawl a bunch uh yes now i'm taking like a week off because of thanksgiving and i was in san francisco this last weekend but um yeah i've been playing streaming brawl at least once a week and then um yeah i have so i'm building a brawl deck right now with Ooh. that to two three it's that it's the esper fairy for four the two three flyer death touch lifelink whenever you cast an artifact or enchantment you get a one one what's that card called uh, Lissa, uh, the the she's the brawl. She's from the brawl pre commander deck, pre pre con deck. Oh, is she? Yeah, she's one of the four. It was her, the Dragon King, the Knight in Mardu, and the Book Guy. Okay, gotcha. So really, I, really excited about Chulain. I know his name. So I burned like Corvald all is the dragon. I burned like all my wild cards to get to get like the cards for this deck, and okay. I haven't played it yet. But uh, I'm I'm gonna start doing that really soon. I, I got OBS on my computer. I like yes. stream. I, I again, I played Arena last night, so I'm I'm definitely. I almost just turned it on last night to see if I could stream for the first time. I think I may just do it tonight. Okay. Uh, I may just give it a shot. So live I- stream when we're normally streaming historically, Ben will be streaming tonight. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a shot. Alila says Antoine Gurdon. Thank you. Uh, so that that is one thing. Uh, you know, I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, but I'll say it now. Uh, you know, a for our Patreon. If you are listening to this now and you like are like, oh, I wish I could catch the live stream, but I like am working at that point on Patreon. The whole live stream with the pre-show and all the dumb arguments and pre versions of the hot takes. 
uh, will be on our Patreon, uh, available to Patreon members. Um, anything over, I think, a $5 level, you get access to the raw feed. Um, and we are live streaming every week at 1 p.m. That's that's the plan. Now, it might be a little early, it might be a little later, but we're aiming for 1 p.m. Um, we'll also be uh, releasing the edited version of this video. So if you're watching this right now and you want card art or whatever, and you want to see more of an audio, the higher audio, audio quality, you don't have all the distracting stuff around us, that should be coming out every uh, Thursday. Yep. And then we'll have uh, small mini videos every Monday called Hot Takes. Make sure to keep an eye out for them. They're really fun. Likely this week's will be a kind of a, a that force of will conversation. Yeah, um, uh, there's a conversation on should force of will be in modern. So that'll be coming out on Monday. Um, and then obviously audio comes out Wednesday. So thank you guys so much for listening. Um, uh, you can follow me on Twitch at, at Kes Wiley, or at Kesco, but everywhere else at Kes Wiley on Twitter, Facebook, everything. You can see it down there. Make sure to give this a like because um, we the more likes these videos have, the better they do. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, give it a like. Uh, thanks for watching, guys. You guys can find me at Ben Bateman Media on Twitter and Instagram. If you're a fan, by the way, of any of the other stuff I do with Action Industries with Andrew Guy, uh, we have a Patreon debate show we've started doing with patrons only on Sunday nights where uh, wherein one of us debates with four patrons a movie-related topic and the other one judges it. So you get to hang out in like kind of a Google Hangout-style debate. And this Sunday, I'm actually going to be debating with four of you patrons what is the best Martin Scorsese movie of all time. Last week, it was the best comedy of the 90s. The week before that, it was the greatest Jack Nicholson role. So it's been super fun. It's a great way for us to interact with you guys and get to know you. So if you do happen to be a fan of that stuff, you don't know about it, go check that out. Uh, submit your, your stuff there. Go watch an episode. We have the latest one up on the Action Industries YouTube. Yeah, cool. All right, guys. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Thanks, Ruben. Thank you for your attention. See you later. Alligator. This has been a production of Time Traveler Media, sending podcasts into the future.